welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Logar the Barbarian. And I'm joined today by Timothy Conley. Welcome. Hi, everybody. It's me. <laughs> We're going to discuss Combat Warner and Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. One of my favorite topics of discussion is First Edition, A, B, and D. <laughs> Let's have at it, Shane. All right. So I'm looking at the Dungeon Master's Guide and what they have here. And I also pulled out Osric and the, the Order of Combat, and I pulled out uh, Swords and Wizardry because they have a few different things there I wanted to look at. Now, there's cool. something I do with my group and how we handle it that's different than all of a lot of this. I want to look at the Dungeon Master's Guide. On page 61 of Gary Gygax's Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Dungeon Master's Guide, you start off with determine if either or both parties are surprised. So that's your surprise check. Determine distance if known between the parties. If both parties are unsurprised or equally surprised, determine initiative for that round. Determine the results of whatever actions are decided upon by the party with initiative. And then it gives you a few options. You can avoid engagement, flee, slam door, use magic to escape, etc. if possible. B is attempt to parlay which is something I don't really see in a lot of the other stuff, the parlay thing, but that's also mentioned in Osric. Await actions by other party. Discharge missiles or magical device attacks or cast spells to turn undead. Close striking range or charge. Set weapons against possible opponent charge. Strike blows with weapons to kill, subdue, grapple, or hold. Then you determine the results of whatever actions are decided upon by the party, which lasts the initiative as per A through H above. Continue each melee round determination of distance initiative and action until melee ends due to fleeing inability to continue or death of one of the both parties. Now, what order and how do you handle it in game? Well, first off, I do want to say that my favorite thing about those steps that Gary wrote there is that he places the missile or range attacks as going before the melee attacks. And it's interesting to consider that from a, a wargaming standpoint. I think uh, there was a lot of that that bled into first edition, of course, the moving of miniatures around on a big old battle map mm -hmm. and, you know, having everything be measured out and handled accordingly. And that's where you're measuring the distance too, is there, which is when I right. got into it, we played very much without minis, without maps. We were playing very, what they call theater of mind now. So mm -hmm. we were never measuring too much distance. It was a little more abstract. I still do that a lot. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that folks who choose to play theater of the mind are, are doing a, a nice service to the hobby because it harkens back to the way a lot of us played when we were younger and just starting out way back when maybe we didn't have so many miniatures maybe we didn't really have anyone to show us how to use the miniatures so here we are all by our lonesome trying to find our way in the dark holding each other's hands as we get through this and figure out a way to make it work for ourselves to the point where we're having fun. And if we're having fun, nothing else matters, right? And that's the point of this hobby. So 
there are other points too, but back to the combat mm -hmm. stuff, I think that it's it's great to see all of these guidelines all spelled out in black and white. Anybody can turn to page 61 in the DMG, just like you said, and they can start to read what it was that Gary put together, laying down the foundation and framework for a lot of us. Prior to the 1979 Dungeon Master's Guide, all we had was the 1978 Player's Handbook, and the 1977 Monster Manual, and that was it. So we were really all in the dark trying to find our own way. Back then, I remember when I started in 78, our DM was excited about getting the DMG, and until then, he was still making his own maps by hand and still leading us through these murder castles of his. And <laughs> I think that was great when the DMG came around and showed us how to really get into the nuts and bolts of combat, how it works, and how the guidelines will show you ideas that you may want to adapt into your own sessions or ideas that you may want to just ignore or hand wave altogether. And, you know, take what works for you. Take what you need and leave the rest. You know, it's all right. Um, now, I think... As far as how combat is run with sessions that I handle, there is rolling for initiative. There is surprise, although the big surprise for me as a DM is how infrequently our players declare that they are going to roll for surprise. <laughs> so they, um, they never seem to declare it. And I don't know if it's cowardice or not. I sometimes get the sense that it might be, but I try not to be too in their face about it, I guess. Since they're not going to call for surprise, boom, we go right to rolling for initiative. It becomes a default. No one calls for surprise, you roll for initiative. It's very simple. If someone does call for surprise, well, then you should go through those steps, take into the account who's going to be rolling, get the D6 ready. What is their dexterity? Prepare to add bonuses if need be. So when you get, when you, if let's say your characters do get the initiative, they, they have the initiative or whatever. Yep. I, one thing I want to look at, that I, I'm going to say here, here's how we run it. We do like side group initiative, our, you know, the dungeon master versus the players. And when we roll, let's say the players get initiative, we go around and I just kind of go around table uh, when we're at the table. I just kind of go left to right most of the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. we switch it up a little bit, but that's easiest. And I just have everybody go. Now, one thing that they do that I don't do and I, and I probably need to start doing, and I've always said, oh, I'm going to start doing this, is uh, before they do declare spells and general actions. And then you also have, I'm looking at Osric for this. Osric and no, look at the Swords and Wizardry. So Swords and Wizardry says, check for surprise, declare spells, determine initiative, movement and missile fire, and then melee combat. I always just throw those missile fires in with everything else. If you're going to be shooting a bow and arrow, it happens when it gets to your turn. And I <laughs> it's see just, it's just that step. Big old battle royale. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that speeds up combat. Like I've, I've done it where, like, okay, everybody check first what you're going to do. And then we start going around. But for me, that's kind of a slowdown for the game. I like to keep it peppy and fast. I, I appreciate the idea of missile fires going first but it kind of throws off my round robin move through combat quick and speedy. Sure, sure. And it's really <laughs> just a guideline. So, you know, you can use it or lose it or choose it. Your choice, right? 
So how do you handle that with the missile fire and the order of combat? Do you usually do missile fire and movement beforehand? I never do that. <laughs> now, here's why. Okay. Because like you, as a dungeon master, I like to keep things peppy and fast and action-packed. Yep. If it's not action-packed, then our playing group isn't having as much fun as it, as it should be. Now, what we do with that is if you're going to be firing a bow and arrow and you've got someone in your party that's going to be using a sword and shield, the bow and arrow will get multiple attacks in a round, whereas, you know, the, the, sh the sword only gets one attack, unless we're talking about 12th level fighters who attack, you know, twice every three rounds or six times every six times every seven rounds or however it is no it's not silly like that but anyway i think it's okay as a dungeon master to not get so hung up on the order in which things go when it's time for our players to make their initiative rolls they do it using a d20 and everybody rolls at the same time and they'll add their dexterity modifiers if they choose to or not that's on them to remember to do that. If they don't remember to do that, they can't come back later and say, oh, wait, you know, I had a modifier. And I would say, yeah, you had a modifier. <laughs> and, you know, but we're trying to keep things moving here. So players do have, uh, have to declare things. Otherwise, it doesn't occur to help them. If they're not going to get an, an initiative modifier to help them go quicker in a round, then they're just going to have their pure role. If I roll a 1d20, I just happen to have one handy right here. Look at that. So I'm oh, going to yeah. give this a roll. <laughs> so here's my initiative roll. Okay, I am the centaur who's fighting the party. Okay, I rolled an 18. So oh, no I modifier for me. <laughs> and you roll a 15? Okay, well, that means that, okay, for round one of, of combat, everybody's got to make their d20 rolls. And then we look and see what everybody rolled, and that's the order. And then I look and see what I rolled for everybody on my side of the DM screen, so to speak. And that's the order for me. And I'll keep track of who goes first out there. We look and see who's the high roll. Okay, you go first. I compare it against my high rolls and see if there's a tie. Okay, I'll just let the players go first, whatever, no big deal. And then I will go after them and so forth and on and on and on. And so it goes. So you're using the individual initiative and the order of combat changes according to that per, per what everybody rolls. Is that correct? That's right. We let the dice gods decide that for everybody. Let me ask this. Do you keep that initiative order through the entire combat sequence or do you roll it every round? Every damn round. Because dice <laughs> want to be rolled, my man. See, I we tend to often roll every round, but we're doing as a group initiative. And just going around, robbing around the table to make keep it okay. swift. Cool. Now, That's cool. What, now, here's my question, though. When you do an individual initiative like that, and you go back to the DMG, where it, in, in uh, what Osric does and what Swords and Wizardry does here, uh -huh. that kind of negates the idea of the ranged weapons going first and spells being because you're all, you're creating an order of itself. So that mechanic there kind of will change what's written in the guide there. So those, those rules, those ideas aren't really applicable if you do an individual initiative, 
They'd only be something I feel that would be applicable if you're doing a group initiative, which I think is an interesting way to look at it, if that makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> I like the group initiative idea. And I also like that you are, as you said, negating the range weapons going always before melee weapons. And I think it's okay to hand wave that guideline. You're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater here. It's, it's fine to just keep it going like you said. And if you're going to do group initiative and go around the table clockwise, left to right, or however you do it, and that makes it, that makes it so that every player where they're sitting at the table, they already know that they're going to be going first every round or they're going to be going yep. in the middle. <laughs> so they have time to prepare. That's one of be the ready. beauties of it is because they people, when I do individual initiative, that's why one of the reasons I started doing it, people keep on looking at their books, doing other things. It's like, oh, it's my turn now. I didn't realize that they're not prepared. <laughs> well yeah i get you i get you does that happen oh <laughs> uh, uh it it does happen i mean it's 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 human nature there there's <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff out there to 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 distract us and these and these books i'll just hold them up on screen real quick these books are just loaded with information and they're not they're not easy reads really no, and, and the books you held up were the, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeon Master's Guide, and Monster Manual, and they are thick. Now, I, I'd like to sit here and, and in a future episode, I'd like to, because I've been reading through the Combat Order stuff in the AD&D Dungeon Master's Guide, uh -huh. and it's interesting. I like to point out again, and I want to just touch on it, that they have parlay as one of the steps, and that's not something I see in a lot of editions and versions I like the parlay idea. I'm a fan of it, but I like the in, the interaction when it comes to like like social interaction and the role play that can come out of it. And I kind of would get into doing more parlay. I think that's something I'm going to note in my initiative order when it comes to my game. I'm getting ready to start up here soon. <laughs> so when you include that in your initiative order situation, are you thinking about as a DM saying to the players, when it's that time, okay, do you want to parlay now? Because we're doing this in order of steps. We're at the parlay step. That's kind of, so that's kind of what's laid out where I see in Osric and what I see in Swords and Wizardry and what I see in the AD&D Dungeon Masters guys, there's kind of an order of things that come before each other. And parlay seems to be a, a trumping step. Like, hey, this is your chance. If you want to say something instead of fight, speak now. So parlay seems to be before even like missile fire and stuff. Like, hey, first things first. You want to parlay. I like it. I think it's a cool idea. And it's an interesting thing to add to the combat order. And it may spice up interactions more, just nudging the players. Do they want to parlay? I like the parlay idea too. And it makes <laughs> me think of, of miniature wargaming. Again, I go back to that. Think about these, these tremendous armies on opposite sides of a battlefield. And then you have two lone riders on horseback from each army come out and meet in the middle. And just those four people amidst thousands of warriors on either side, just those four people who ride out in the middle are now going to parlay before the inevitable combat and carnage and everything else that follows. I like it. Well, we're about up on time. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, please give us a positive review. We're on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our blog. 
I'm on Twitter at Logar Harold Crom. We're on Patreon. We could really use the support. If you can, uh, you can spare it, please go to patreon.com backslash wobblies and wizards. And as always, keep those dice rolling.